Yeah, it's a weird one, right? Because on the one hand, what's what do you think more about in your life than money? Like, yeah. you know, health and et cetera. But like, it, money is something you think about all the time. It's a really, really big part of people's lives. So it shouldn't be hard to get people to be thinking about it or talking about it. But then there's this very weird cultural British thing of not talking about money. And historically, you know, financial education in schools has been very, very poor. I spent more time learning about the the, the Dangerous Dogs Act than about, you know, <laughs> you know interest or, or how to get an ISA or when ISA is, I had to get a mortgage. Like these are things yeah. that we just leave school not knowing. Like credit scores, what the hell's that? It's like it's it's all very vague and you're given no direction. You're given you leave school and you're you're given like a 10 grand student loan or whatever. And told, told, like, kind of good luck, don't spend it all at once. Welcome to this week's episode of Brown Wars. This week's guest is Richard Cook, who is the social media manager at Monzo Bank. Monzo launched in 2015 as one of the first neo or digital-only banks offering a mobile-first experience and coral-colored cards. It became the darling of crowdfunding when it raised a record-breaking £1 million in just 96 seconds. We're going to have a chat about the early days of Monzo, why it became such a cult brand, and how, as a brand, can you actually get people engaged in finance? Whilst I remember, please do also give us a follow on Instagram at Brown Wars Pod. And so without further ado, we welcome Richard to the stage. Lovely to have you, Richard. Good to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. We want to answer the, like, the most important questions first, obviously. Um, why do you have a fox emoji on your LinkedIn profile? Uh, I love foxes. I think, I think they're a really cool animal. Uh, really cute and cuddly and furry. Uh, no, the, the real reason is it's like a LinkedIn hack I, I read. Um, I, I'm one of those people that just gets constant messages from, you know, recruiters, salespeople, you know, everyone is trying to sell you their thing or, you know, is trying to get you to use the agency or whoever. Trying um, to get you on their podcast. Yeah, guilty. No, no, no. Th- th- this is one of the few very welcome invitations I received. No, but it's a lot of, you know, oh, you know, have you, have you, have you thought about influencer marketing? I was like, I've thought about it. Yeah, but I'm like... If I was going to be doing it, I'd be doing it. You know what I mean? I, if I had the time and budget, I, I would be doing these things. So I got very frustrated about that. And I read somewhere that a lot of these people are using like automated tools to kind of just blank fire messages out to hundreds of people. And the way you can tell if they're doing that is they the robot or software just kind of just like says, hi, first name. And then, you know, sends you the, the template. And I, I read that if you just put an emoji as your first name and then put your full name as your last name, you, you mm. can tell because you'll get a message and someone says, hi, emoji. And then if I see that in my inbox, I'm like, okay, this is one to swerve. And I don't, I don't feel bad about it. Yeah, Usually yeah, yeah, if, yeah. if I get a, an inbox, yeah, fair enough. I'll just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'd love, this sounds really great. Because now I can just be like, blocked, spam. It's great. You're, you're a robot. Yeah. <laughs> Have you found that it works? Yes. It, it, I mean, it, it's good for, for me just to ignore people and it's actually quite a good conversation starter so if someone's like oh hi Richard I'm really interested why do you have a fox it's you know I, that, that feels like I'm pretty sure I'm talking to a human there so, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it as well it's also a good opportunity for personal branding as well so mm, you can, uh, say good idea yeah. how did okay so obviously you know fox the cute that's great is that is, is that reason you sort of settled on that one I've seen a few people throw some in how, how do you choose what your personal brand emoji is? 
Well, it's a question I get asked quite a lot is what's your favorite emoji? Uh, where I work, we, we, we deal very heavily in emojis. So you've kind of got to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've always gone for the fox. I think, you know, I just like foxes. <laughs> I think they're very common in design. Like I have a lot of socks that foxes on and, you know, all that kind of thing. So yeah, I just, it's, it's the one that sums me up the best, I think. Sweet. Oh, deal. And then I guess, yeah, we, we have to talk about work, unfortunately, but, um, we know that in social media, there's a lot of jargon and a lot of, mm. you know, rubbish spouted. So like when you're trying to, you know, at Christmas, when you go home to your mum and dad and they say, what have you been working on, Richard? How do you describe your like role? <laughs> uh, I, I usually just go marketing. I think people generally know what marketing is. It's, oh, you are trying to sell stuff to people. And I think that's a, a good way of starting the conversation. And then once you've got people warmed to the idea of, okay, you're, you're sort of talking to customers, I go, yeah, great. Specifically, I'm doing that through digital channels, and you can sort of see if you lose them there or not. If people are on board with the idea of digital, you can sort of whittle it down to social media. I think most people know what social media is these days. And so if you go, I do the social media for a company, people go, oh, okay, yeah, I, I kind of get that. Yeah, I say, I, I do the social media for a bank. People go, okay, I kind of understand that. Although I think that undersells me a little bit. Often I go, oh, so you just send, send tweets all day. And I'm like, no, but like technically, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the just, isn't it? Just yeah. tweets. Like that is a very big part of the job. <laughs> so I can't minimize <laughs> that, but it's like, I'm not going to like spend all the time. So like, actually, no, there's a lot of like reporting and uh, strategy that goes on because I think that's a little bit too abstract to to sell to people who, who have no idea what you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, we, uh, we, we always talk about this and yeah, it's normally... Yeah, I work in IT or <laughs> or sales or yeah. uh, marketing. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, just say you use a computer. I think that's, <laughs> whatever G, like whatever doctor or GP says. Oh, what do you do? I go. Uh, it's I use a computer all day because that's what they're interested in. <laughs> I, I like, know. If, if someone asks me what I do, I just kind of stick with sales, and they go, "Oh, what kind?" And I'm like. Oh. Now I have to like really like explain what influencer marketing is or like marketing or something and just to get them to not almost ask me like more and more questions, try and like almost elevate a pitch and every time you're like, okay, is that like how much more do you want like kind of cover it off in, in one go? I never know what to put on the forms, you know, when you're like doing your car insurance or yeah. something. It's all like, yeah, a mortgage application. It says like, um, yeah, an occupation. It's always those really like, 1960s job titles you know it's like yeah it's it's like are you a waiter or a truck driver or you know like <laughs> i never know what to put like because it's never on there is it we're social blacksmiths for brand we're, we're creating creating social campaigns social things for for them really that that yeah. that'd be the best thing just call myself a uh a blacksmith who just uh, <laughs> making things online internet architect yeah. yes yeah. one one thing i struggle with is like industry and i'm like mm. i'm not a banker i like technically yeah, you yeah, could yeah. describe me as a banker because i work <laughs> for a bank but i'm like we, we don't really have bankers and i, I feel <laughs> uncomfortable sometimes putting like bank as like place of work even though like we are a bank yeah i, yeah. I, I feel like you know it, it, i'm a social media marketer i can't claim to be doing anything like <laughs> more serious than that yeah you're not exactly walking around with like the the briefcases full of, full of money taking it to the secret vaults of, of monzo are you really <laughs> i don't even know if we have vaults i don't know i think we've got some safe somewhere uh i mean close <laughs> close, close enough it's not it's, it, well is it gringotts bank really 
like may, maybe that's it maybe that's what these new banks are trying to uh upstage barclays where they just come in and they've got dragons hidden hidden under there or something wouldn't surprise me if we had something tucked away yeah no it is interesting though like uh how you know how you, when you think of a bank you think of you know vaults and people behind counters and you know, men in suits carrying briefcases but like you come to the monzo office and it's just me on like the beer terrace <laughs> like oh the roof terrace uh drinking a beer uh, you probably wouldn't think it was a traditional bank uh, one of the things we always ask uh, our guests when they when they come on the pods, we've had some great answers so far from Apple to Spotify, but I'm really keen to know, Richard, what is your favourite brand of, of all time? Yeah, really hard question. Like the boring answers would be like McDonald's and Coca-Cola. <laughs> like if, if it's purely in terms of like products I've consumed the most of in my lifetime. I mean, I had a McDonald's last night. Uh, I like, literally just had one for lunch. Yeah, like it's 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 really I don't know, like in terms of like the impact they've had on my lives, they're the biggest. It's it's I, I can't deny that. Um, in terms of brands, I like like and respect. I think Google is probably the one that I like I like the most, just because you know I'm I'm a, I'm a bit of a techie person, and mm-hmm. I got sucked into like the ecosystem of of Google products. So every like I have I I buy the new Pixel phone the, the day it comes out. I buy you know the their their ill-fated Stadia gaming service like. I like everything they do. I'm just like, yeah, I, I want that to be part of my life. And like, yeah, I, I know they're like a big tech company. They're probably doing evil stuff. I'm sure like they're dodgy with tax and killing the environment. But like, I just kind of like them. I think they're cute. And <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely gonna have to run that past uh, Monzo HR before that goes out. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard Google described as cute. Uh, the big massive behemoth conglomerate uh, is a is a cute brand. But you know what? I love it. Like. Because, uh, you know, Apple, I think, is a great example of that as well, where they've just developed this whole ecosystem as a brand with all their products that just make things so easy to use. And I know, like, those those kind of brands in the consumer tech space, like Google in particular, you know, who've now got, they've got Chromebook laptops, they've got, like, even taken over browsers with Google Chrome, they've got all the phones that are actually amazing, like the Google Pixels. I've had a, you know, a few friends that have used them. I'm like, man, if ever I was to, to change, it would definitely be something like this. It just seems so smooth. And the camera's great on it as well. Are you selling iPhones? I know, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I do I do love my iPhone. Don't don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I mean, it just works nicely with, with everything else. The only thing is just the battery is just garbage. That's, that's the only thing I've, I've got against the iPhone. But otherwise, like the, the way it works is great. I can't complain. I'm trying to think of like other brands that I really, really like. <laughs> and like all I can think of is like KFC. <laughs> and like... I guess like Brewdog, I like because I'm mm. a yeah, like 30 year old, 31 year old man uh, in London. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm yeah, probably yeah, just very yeah, traditional and boring with my, my the brands I like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, um, that's fair. Totally. I totally get that. It, it's definitely though, like this question, even I've thought about quite a lot. And it's definitely those big brands that you seem to use and see every day that are the first ones that come to mind rather than, you know, something else that only like I, I would use. So I think there's, yeah. yeah, everyone's kind of, you know, the, those those big ones come, come to mind first and foremost, don't they, really? There's, there's definitely like a slide somewhere in some like agency pitch deck that like describes the, the persona, <laughs> which is like <laughs> me exactly. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. 31, 31 years old, lives in North London, 
drinks Brewdog, listens to Spotify, uses Netflix. Like, I'm probably <laughs> like extremely basic for the type of person that I am. <laughs> it's got your picture in the deck here. Yeah. <laughs> like glasses, stubble, you know, medium length hair. Yeah, yeah it works. It works in East London. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just, I'm just awful. Yeah. Really <laughs> Well, I mean, don't, don't know. We we love you, Richard. Like you're on you're on the pod. You're automatically getting to the top of our list. I'm trying to think of like some brands that I do like that are less obvious. There's like I really like MeUndies, the, <laughs> the underwear service from America. But again, are they like, like a subscri- are they a subscription service? They have a subscription service, but okay. they uh, you can just buy stuff as well. But again, I think I've just like absorbed that one through targeted ads and podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, I, I, have yeah. a, I just have a Casper mattress. I really like Casper. <laughs> I ended up buying like Casper sheets, Casper mattress, Casper pillows. What's I was gutted other? when they left the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's the yeah. other one? Beer 52s. Um, I, I literally yeah. have a Beer 52 subscription. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, mate, I'm, I'm the exact same. I got it last summer during lockdown. And all of a sudden I've had it, like I got one because it was free. All of a sudden for like four months, I'm suddenly paying like 30 quid a month. Then I thought I'll, I'll cancel it tomorrow. And next thing i know i've got a text going your beer 52 is on its way like, oh christ <laughs> gotta drink all that beer again i know i'm like well all right fine <laughs> there's some there's some beers now that are amazing and then there's another month where i'm like i really don't like any of these but for like 30 pounds it's really not too bad i'm like well it's okay i'll just give it to someone else who probably likes some of these or yeah have you got like a load of bottles in like a cupboard that are just the ones that you've never drunk Oh, I did for a while. Like I definitely had about, and I might actually still have at least two or three in the fridge that have not been touched. Like I've looked and I've just gone, yeah, that is not for me. I'm just going to wait, wait for next time I have like people round when I can. And um, Instagram, oh, have you tried this beer? And yeah, just give it to some, some old poor soul instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess I kind of do that with wine, I suppose, as well, don't you? Like. <laughs> I mean, yes. there's been one on your desk, mate, since about oh, the, yeah. the, month, the month you started, which um, it, so Rich, Rich to, to tell you this bottle of wine, it's literally black, yep, like black bottle and doesn't have a, a label on it. The only thing it's got is like a sticker of like um, a lion or something on it. Yeah. And we're all a bit scared. Like, it, I think it's, I think it's red wine, but no one's like touched it. Like, this has got to <laughs> be terrible. I got given like, it. Um, yeah, I got given it for giving a, a talk at a recruitment agent, and he gave it to me. And now I can't believe it's lasted like that long yeah. because the amount of times people have like gone back to the office after a party, I cannot yeah. believe no one's necked it. In my, like, I think it just looks so weird that people are scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, uh, just never drink it. It's, it, it has no. to remain a mystery forever. I think. Hundred, it wouldn't be caught dead at one of the Monzo rooftop drinks. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Speaking of Monzo, mm. it's an interesting um, brand, an interesting company. Like I think I mentioned to you, Richard, before when we spoke that yeah, I I got sucked into Monzo quite early. I think just after it changed its name from Mondo to Monzo, and uh, I got sucked into the the uh, crowdfunding as well. So I'm a I'm a shareholder. Thank you. And. Uh, <laughs> and um, that's my paycheck thank you <laughs> it's, um, no, gen- generally thank you <laughs> i didn't invest that much i could i guess it was you could have at the time you could invest up to a thousand i think that was the maximum i think i was in this second stage i didn't go for the first one but mm-hmm. um i guess it quickly became like it was one of these like darlings of the sort of this crowdfunding generation to an extent 
I think a lot of brands do this crowdfunding or go for IPA as a marketing exercise. But I yes. think, what do you think made Monzo so sticky in the early days? Like, why why were so many people attracted to it? Yeah, good question. I, I think it's because of the, the closeness we had, I guess, with the community to, at the very beginning. Like Monzo was like built on this with the, the mission of like basically making making banking better, and and the way they went about doing that was like really listening to to people, listening to like how they use their bank and what they wanted to see from it, like asking them like what you want from your bank. So you know the first one hundred people that got a Monzo card had to come into the office to physically get it, and like while they were there, you'd like grill them about it. Uh, this is all before my time, you know. Yeah. This is this is the how it went and you know over time that meant like we were constantly speaking to our users and it was you know it was a bit like a little a club like a growing like thing that people talked about and yeah we had our waiting list back in the other days when mm. you know to, to join you had to like you know, queue up and people could refer you so it was always like this thing that was like talked about by this really intense group of people who were really passionate about it and they would then share that passion with people who like would then become passionate about it and so you sort of grew this like user base of like super advocates yeah. and then like you'd see them as like quite across the bar like what is that and then like, someone would tell you and then like you'd kind of like be absorbed into it uh you know people use the word cult back in the day i don't, I, I yeah. don't agree with that but there's always this real closeness to like the brand and the product and the company amongst its users because of uh, all, the, all the sort of community activity so i guess when it was when it came to crowdfunding it was like almost the logical next step it's like hey you've helped us build this bank why not own a part of it so i, I think that's like that, that, that's an example, I think, of crowdfunding where it makes sense both as a money generating project, but also as a real statement of like faith in, you know, this is something we've done together and we, we want to share in that. Yeah, because I agree with you. I think sometimes it is just like a marketing ploy. It gets headlines and you can brag about like how quickly you did it, how much you raised. But, you know, we've always been close to our community. Even like the name was, was, was when we changed the name, that was the community helped us pick that. Uh, and, you know, and so on. We, we, we held a, a fest, we held an event for our investors a couple of years ago called Investable, which was a, a lovely <laughs> opportunity to meet these people and, and get to know them. The best at this are Brewdog, I think. Like they, they have their AGMs and stuff like that. And you can go along and have free beer. And like, I think that's like a whole day or multi-day event at this point, a festival almost. Uh, we're not quite there. Uh, and I would love for us to sort of keep doing more community stuff. But yeah, I, I, think, I think we've done a really good job of building that sort of community-driven brand over the years. Like even when it came to like our out-of-home TV ads and stuff, the tagline we went with was like, you make Monzo Monzo. And that was like meant to be like a reflection of like, hey, we've built this like kind of, with you in mind, with like listening to listening to our community. So yeah, that's my uh, my, my three minute speech about community in Monzo. If that answers your question, yeah, definitely. I think I drew a lot of people in. I'm guessing when you have the uh, the investor event, it was basically just full of thirty year old guys with beards. The way Monzo grew was you know, historically North London people interested in tech, mm. like which you know is is not a diverse audience, mm. uh, and something we're just trying to tackle as a company as we grow, like try and reach more people different parts of the country, different age groups in particular. Uh, and that's a really interesting challenge because like, it's really easy to get people who are enthused about tech into an app-based bank. But people yeah. who have like had their uh, you know brick and mortar bank account for 50 years, much, much, much harder to get into switch. I think definitely the tech side of it and you know the speed the transparency was something that like drew me in i suppose like beyond the brand itself was just the ease of it all i think even back then like you couldn't when you made a transaction with a traditional bank even if you were using an app it would take like a day before the app would update with your transactions just and knowing how much money you actually had in your account and see and seeing the money come in and out instantly was like wow monzo's like pushed 
the existing banks to to change as well i'd say not just that i mean like pin centuries remember barclays netwest and used to have like that little machine where you put your <laughs> card in when you want to go online then you have to do the pin and yeah. another code monzo obviously revolut sterling bank whatever completely just took that away from those big those big banks who tried to take on um, online banking didn't they literally just took it completely out of the market i think they're now like stop completely stopped selling them at, at places like barclays i hope so because they were very fiddly and annoying yeah it? they Rubbish. were yeah and they used to just take up lots of room in the drawer that like everyone could never find them at the best of times yeah, that's <laughs> what I i've got like a drawer of about 10 NatWest ones because they're yeah yeah so i guess you mentioned a bit about um how to engage people in finance i suppose and that's like a, a i guess a big part of your role as a social mm-hmm. media manager and like so but one reason like uh, you know our first approach to you is i think monzo's social media pages are great and but how do you thanks constantly like engage people with with finance i guess which is a lot of people are like it's it's hugely important in their lives but don't necessarily want to think about it day in day out perhaps yeah it's a weird one right because on the one hand what's what do you think more about in your life than money like yeah. you know health and etc but like money is something you think about all the time it's a really really big part of people's lives so it shouldn't be hard to get people to be thinking about it or talking about it but then there's this very weird cultural british thing of not talking about money and historically you know financial education in schools has been very very poor i spent more time learning about the 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 dangerous dogs act than about you know (laughs) interest or or how to get an isa or when isa is i had to get a mortgage like these are things that we just leave school not knowing like credit scores what the hell's that this like it's it's all very vague and you're given no direction you're given you leave school and you're, you're given like a 10 grand student loan or whatever and told, told like kind of good luck don't spend it all at once <laughs> so i think i think what we've been trying to do is is tackle sort of financial education for people who never really had it and i think there's a really good there's this whole wave of of uh, people out there doing great work in the space if you go on instagram uh, there's great accounts and so we're by no means the first people trying to sort of start this conversation but uh, it is you know something we really believe in and it's not it's not you know it's not hard to get people to sort of start engaging it once once you start you know like a really easy way to sort of crack open that that reservation people have is just to kind of be playful with it so instead of saying you know how 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 are you how are you feeling about your money? You might say, you know, if your bank account could talk, what would it say? And like that gives people the chance to be a little bit like playful or or, or self-deprecating often, which I think you know British people love to do. Uh, and that gets people talking, and then suddenly you know, people are talking about their salary and talking about their their money and budgeting. Like something that we we like to do is to find people complaining about notifications on Monzo or or when we tell them, you know, they've almost used up their entire budget. If someone complains about that, I'm like, great, let's screenshot that, get it on Instagram. Because it's like, <laughs> it's it's a relatable thing of like, oh no, like budgeting is really hard. This month I'm finding difficult. This, this is a problem. I think people like everyone's been in that situation. And so like, let's use use that as the conversation starter. I think so often, like when it comes to financial education, it's, the, it's like this really lofty, long-term, you know, stuff that you can't really relate to. But, oh yeah, make sure you've got your financial goals for like the next 50 years set. And like, you know, oh, when thinking about investments, make sure you diversify your portfolio. It's like, that's not what most people are struggling for. <laughs> most people want to know like how to not run out of money this month. Most people want to know like, how can I be better at, just like saving and budgeting every day, like through things like, you know, roundups or, or, or taking on savings challenges just to like get more healthy financially now 
as opposed to like everything being very serious and very big and very you know uh, yeah, very scary of, yeah you kind of think of like those huge horrible milestones don't you of like your first loan your first mortgage your pension and you're like oh, what my pension's like 35 years away like yeah not in my not in my zone right now and i think brands like um chip are great at yeah, i'm a, like i've been a member of chip for quite a long time yep um i love those kind of services that help you yeah like save every day like or just mm-hmm. put money aside every day and again like yeah, the the roundup pots on um my little piggy bank on my monzo app like mm-hmm. um those kind of things yeah it helps you just like even if you're just saving for like you know a holiday or to buy a new phone or whatever like they they help you reach those little savings goals and help you yeah as you say on day to day rather than worrying about that yeah big you know big horrible financial stuff that you sort of were half taught at, in business studies at school i think right like i think big horrible is a good description of it i think a lot of this <laughs> can feel like very like monolithic and and scary like the idea of i guess a credit score or borrowing i think like we're taught basically don't ever borrow money it's a bad word and then you're you immediately get a student loan <laughs> And you're told to like start saving for a mortgage. Both those are forms of borrowing. And also you're, you're buying buy a mobile phone on contract. You're borrowing money. And so like we're basically misinformed about a lot of things. So like an, another approach we use is just try and break these things down and be like, you know, good versus bad credit. What's the difference? And you can do that in like really bite-sized ways through social. I think like social in particular is a great way to do financial education because it's so, you know, bite-sized. You know, if you look in the last year, the rise of like, informational infographics on, on Instagram about sort of social issues, the same, same works of money. We can break down, you know, what you should think about when it comes to uh, savings accounts. We can break that down like an Instagram carousel or Instagram story. You're, you're definitely much more likely going to read that than a 500 word blog post written by, you know, written by me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Written by Martin Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love um, Martin Lewis. He's done, he's done a lot of great work for uh, financial education. Yeah, I was watching him on uh, this morning whilst I was having my uh, morning coffee this morning. Or no, it was around lunchtime, yeah. Like when people ring in on this morning and you've got Martin Lewis answering the questions, he's so aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) The final thing I wanted to, I guess, mention about social media, I guess, uh, you know, is and you being a leader in it, I suppose. And you wrote something the other day about accessible social media. Yep. What for you is, is accessible social media? For me, it is very important. (laughs) That's what it is. What it is, is like, I guess it's a spectrum of, of how you're thinking about and producing content for social. So like, at one end of that, I, I would talk about the, what, what are you talking about and how you're talking about it? Like, like I say, when it comes to financial education, we're making it accessible to people just by the language we use. You know, we don't talk about, uh, we try to avoid acronyms and, and things like that. Just breaking it down into, into you know, ways of, that you can really practically use this stuff. So that's like a form of accessibility, right? Just like, writing it in a language and tone of voice, using pictures where you can to, to make it just understandable. But I think when people talk about accessibility, what they usually mean is, is more the other end of the spectrum, which is like, how can everyone enjoy this content? Or how can everyone like actually access it to begin with? And I think as, as you move away from text and into more creative things, the kind of things that social really lets you do really well, it, it be, that accessibility can often get lost. So the best example is like, you know, you upload an image that's really great. An image can be a really powerful way to tell a story or to show something or, or, you know, an infographic can help you just get something without having to read a thousand words. But are you losing there the ability for people who, you know, might not be able to, to, to see that, you know, might have sort of vision impairment issues or are accessing the content through, through a screen reader software, for instance, they might not be able to, to appreciate their content just as well. So then it becomes important to like build into your thinking, okay, 
this is a great way of doing this content, but how are we keeping it accessible for every single person who, who we want to see it? And you know, that means things like adding alt text if it's an image, adding subtitles if it's a video, even things like you know video descriptions is, is something that I'm, I'm still learning about, to be honest, like what, what that involves, what that means. And yeah, it, it's, it's hard because it, it's, it's, it takes longer to make stuff. Mm. And we're so pressed for time and, and, and people and all, all this to begin with. But, you know, I saw a good quote the other day on Twitter, which was accessibility doesn't mean doing extra work. It just means doing all the work in the first place. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, like you yeah, haven't, yeah. You're not doing more. It's like you didn't do a full job the first time. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. It's something I think is very important. And yeah, I, I, I'm still disheartened when I, I look on Twitter and I see like, quote unquote, like great brands or cool brands doing a, a tweet that's like, pure emojis and like ascii symbols like 10 mathematical symbols in a row and I, you, you just know if some screen reader gets that they're just going to get at question mark pound yeah, sign yeah. dollar sign like they're not going to be able to access their content it will slow them down and be a bad experience and uh, i think they get forgotten sometimes yes I think that's a good point so I'm, I'm just thinking actually one brand who kind of got it wrong uh not too long ago i think it was on international women's day and Burger King put a tweet out saying, uh, I think it was like, maybe women should go like back in the kitchen. Women and belong in the they, kitchen. Was the tweet. Yeah, women belong in the kitchen. And then their next tweet underneath was, okay, well, we're going to set up this massive scholarship fund to help do this, that, and the other. But it completely got lost in, in what they were trying to do because of that first initial like tweet as well. And so just the, they just missed the mark completely. So as you said, in terms of accessibility, there's I think they were almost just being controversial for literally to get clicks, like to get to get views when you didn't need to do that. You could have literally just skipped that first bit and just said, look, we're actually going to do this massive activation and look to, to help people. Right. Yeah, I would say that's a really clear case of like misunderstanding the platform, because I, I saw the same like same campaign, the same like copy in in like print. And mm. so you have the big controversial headline, you're shocked. You read down and go, oh no, they they're trying to do a good thing, mm. and it just didn't translate to social. And worse still, like I don't I don't know they overlooked this or or just didn't think about it, but like you can quote a tweet out of context, and yeah. like a, a threaded tweet isn't can be taken out of a thread, <clears throat> and like. Yeah. They should have just thought about that and not done it. And I saw people saying, well, you could have even fit the first and second tweets in that in the first tweet. <laughs> so it was almost like they deliberately done it badly. Oh, mm. That's uh, even worse. Yeah. But like you said, yeah, they probably just took it exactly how they would do it from, from print. You know, mm. you click on this eye-catching title because you're like, oh my God, you can't say that. And you get so stuck in this, you don't, you completely miss out the, the second bit. To, to keep scrolling down unlike if you're reading an article for instance you know in the metro or whatever and you just see like some crazy title and you just read this, this weird story and also people access twitter via loads of different third-party apps or like on different platforms where the threaded part of the tweet doesn't come up automatically anyway if you maybe access twitter via desktop then yeah you might get that straight away but if you're on a mobile app or using third-party app that doesn't thread the tweet automatically then yeah you're not going to get the second part of that message anyway yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> I think like yeah, yeah. there's no real possible defense of it. I saw some people being like, "Oh, but it's got us talking about them," and I think that's like the biggest myth in like in like marketing is oh, yeah. no company wants to be talked about in like negative headlines like that. It's that kind of 
classic uh, all, all like publicity. All PRs, yeah. yeah, all PRs, good PRs. Like, I, I really don't think it I is. I don't, no. <laughs> yeah. There that is genuine PRs, bad is PR. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so we're sort of coming to the outro now. We tend to uh, yeah ask our, our guests on the podcast a couple of questions in this part, Richard. One is, sure. one is um, we want to hear a funny story or a memorable <laughs> story from your days at Monzo. Yeah. That, that's legal, you know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's, there's quite a few things have happened over the years. The one that swings to mind, actually, when I think about, like, it's, it's probably not safe for work, but I'll try it anyway. With this idea, like, I'm big into, like, repeatable content, almost like, I don't know what the word would be, like, franchises. You know, when you do the same thing every month. Um, okay. And you just, like, change what it is. And I had this idea, like, if every month we would do, like, a different kind of saving challenge. So, you know, be like, hey, lock, lock your pot January or, you know, save... September or whatever and that, that worked for a few months and it was quite good because it, you know, it was like hey we could talk to our community on social uh, we have a really good Facebook group called the saving squad and be like hey savers this month join the you know save your money timber challenge and people do, uh, do it Monzo had the the one pound two pound three pound challenge right oh uh, okay I was literally just thinking about that have I just yeah. ruined the story no 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 we, we, have, we have a whole <laughs> bunch of challenges like that so there's yeah. the one piece savings challenge the monthly mm. challenge uh, and it's really, I think that that's one of the things that we see the most from our community is them just like taking on different challenges. And so that was going really well for a few months. And then we got to October and I was like, well, why not? Uh, we'll call it Locktober because it's, you know, the ch- maybe you can like lock some money away in a pot at the start of the month. And the challenge is to like not touch it for the whole month. So we're like, cool, Locktober, let's go for that. And we published it, did the social, did the blog, got it all out. And then like, a few like it started to, like people were like are you sure about this and it turned out that, like locktober is like some i don't say weird but like some male chastity <laughs> community thing I'm, I'm sure you can use your imaginations about what is involved with it and i was like this is not good <laughs> uh so we we very quickly had to take that down i think we just went with lock your pot toga challenge um and yeah that was uh, a fun day in the office as you know, all of our computer histories had to be wiped that day i think <laughs> i want to know like how you found out about that though like who was it like the customer that pointed it out or something yeah it yeah, was so... clearly part of the uh the lock movement yeah. <laughs> well yeah i i i think it's just a failure on us to google it to begin with yeah. um and yeah like i i, I watch tweet deck all day long so i sort of i'm glued to it and i sort of you know you, you always get a few replies being you know of, of, of different sorts and it's sort of oh, I've got weird negative reaction to this, this, <laughs> this tweet today or confusion. I, th- I thought it was pretty clear what it was about. And so, yeah, that was, uh, we didn't do that again. <laughs> yeah, just make sure that you Google all of your uh, sort of uh, your headlines. I kind of think there's anything else like that we've done. Like, I know it's, it's, it's a, like we, we tend to be quite careful with our, because we're a bank. So the more outlandish ideas often get shut down before they can even sort of see the light of day um so yeah it's it's uh i wouldn't i think i would go with that story as my my most shareable but still <laughs> salacious if that makes sense cool thank absolutely. you yeah. absolutely yeah so we uh we, we close up with a bit of an, we come back to brands yep we want to chat about brands that maybe you love or like yeah you mentioned uh the undies brand earlier um <laughs> uh, we'll put that in we'll put that in the trailer and um so yeah, we want to talk about other brands that maybe like you you love or you admire that not other people might not have heard of. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like which brands like so like smaller brands that I really like. And it's gonna be like weird food, food-based ones, probably. There's a brand I really like called um Pick Yo Mix. 
Mm-hmm. They are a, this is like the, my dream business as well, which is uh, internet ordered pick and mix. And I'm like, that is, that is like, I wish that had existed my entire life. I only found out about it last year. And I just love it because, you know, obviously it's a, a dream product, but also like in terms of branding, you know, you can have so much fun with it. And I got on their Instagram and it's just like page after page of, of sweets. there's a company i found out the other day that does um just pub snacks so you can get pub snacks delivered to your house nice so you want yeah so like all those like amazing like ox flavored crisps and peanut like nuts and stuff like that yeah get me some posh pork scratchings or something yeah great i'm trying to think of other other smaller brands that i like um well what are your examples if you have any yeah. Ooh, what, what are our favorite brands that no one's heard of? Yeah. yeah. You know what? No one's actually asked us that yet on the uh, on, but we've had a few guests on that we've recorded so and genuinely no one has asked us. Okay. <laughs> I like um, um, I like this glasses brand, um, which I discovered. They're called Barna. They're a Spanish brand based in Barcelona, and uh, they make uh, blue eye, like uh, blue light glasses. Um, okay. So uh, for, cause I was, yeah, I've suffered with migraines all my life and tend to get eye strain and working from home, you just, you're on a screen much more than ever. So I invested in these about 120 pounds or something like that. You can get a uh, prescription ones. I don't need the prescription, but the thing I loved about them was they, their social is great because they, um, obviously they crowdsource all their content from, you know, their customers, but also the AR lenses were like the best I've seen for glasses. You know, there's a lot of Something like Ray-Ban have done it before where you can try on the glasses and it was really clunky, but these did it through um, Instagram AR lenses. And so you, you literally just go onto their Instagram page, you go onto the save stories and each save story is a different style of the glasses. So you can yeah. literally just try them all on. So I yeah, tried on a pair and yeah, and I, I really love them. They've, they've really helped me with my headaches and eye strain. So I, yeah, big fan. Nice. Mine's uh, mine's from the world of fashion, actually. I saw a brand a few years ago, and now I think it's sort of blown up a little bit, a brand called True Vintage. So sell like vintage clothes. um, They do a drop every once, I think it's once a week where they, or once a month, they do massive ones. So like a a big North Face haul, and it's just like one of one, that's it. Burberry or Nike or whatever it might be. And it's just started from like a few a few lads who started in their bedroom uh, at uni a few years ago. And now like their website's great. The Instagram's really cool as well. And during lockdown last year, when I finally sort of caved and bought all the pieces, they did uh, sort of like bespoke T-shirts, like a teddy bear wearing like NHS, you know, scrubs on and stuff. And all the money went towards uh, the NHS, obviously, when we were all in lockdown. I think they raised something like £35,000 in sales just from these T-shirts and hoodies nice. and stuff. And they're, it's really, really good. It's definitely like one of my favourite T-shirts and that, I've, that I've got for a while. I wear it all the time. Um, <laughs> and yeah, their their range of stuff is is really, really cool. Cool. Um, stuff they have on the website, yeah. I have thought of another one. Oh, go um, on then. If you, want, if you want a final one. Yes, please. <clears throat> it's a company called The Cauldron. I think, I think they're okay. called the Cauldron, or that, that might just be one of their outlets. And they're essentially a cocktail bar, but like mm-hmm. one of these like immersive experiences. And so it's like not at all a Harry Potter themed. Okay. I think they, they, have, they have a really good disclaimer, like all of their menus and stuff, like a list of things they're not affiliated with. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not affiliated like with Game of Thrones, uh, Harry Potter, et cetera. Um, yeah. 
Lord of the Rings. And yeah, so you go along and you know, it's like an hour and a half experience where you where you sort of you know make a magical fizzy bubbling cocktail and you, know, you get mm. super drunk and yeah. uh you know they also sell you know like magic wands and things like that and yeah i think this is like really cool it's one of the things i've missed lockdown is like going out and, and doing fun stuff like that you know over lockdown i've ordered uh home magical cocktail kits which is like you know a color changing gin and stuff like yeah, that yeah uh, but i just like I, I like the quirkiness of it and you know so it's a, it's a sort of up-and-coming company and i think they're super cool mm. Yeah, definitely. As lockdown eases, I can't wait to go check out more of those like little bars that kind of like just started opening. There was one in Fulham I just saw called Sixes, um, mm-hmm. and it is a cricket themed bar that has indoor oh. cricket nets in, oh. in it as well. So it's right up my street. Although that being said, I'm really not sure how. I mean, I'm pretty good playing. You know, obviously playing cricket after a few beers even better because I mean you're seeing three different things at once, so you're bound to hit something. <laughs> so I imagine, you know, in, in these sort of nets indoors, it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, nature's healing. The, the the sort of indoor junkyard golfs are coming back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll all be doing uh, team building axe throwing, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> on, on that night, I saw um, a new bar opened in Manchester. And, you know, the sort of like, yeah, I don't know what you call them, like social sports bars where yep. you can like a flight club for darts and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's one in Manchester Manchester that's open. That's a gun range. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. It just does not sound <laughs> safe. That's the worst idea of all time. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we thought axe throwing was it was a good idea yeah. as well. Like that, that those two have got to be up there. I haven't done it axe throwing. It does look fun, but yeah, after a few beers, I'm maybe not sure. Like again, same with same with that gun gun one. I'm not sure how well they go together. The only, the only thing worse than that I've done was when I was in, I went to Colombia and they had this like weird game, like a, like a social sport thing mm. where it's called Tejo. And essentially you're given like a, a metal discus and you throw it at a, a mound of, of clay in which are embedded small pouches of dynamite uh, <laughs> or gunpowder, gun I assume. Yeah. And the idea is to, to hit, hit it from a safe distance and, and it explodes. And I'm like, you're just given a cray beer when you rock up. So uh, yeah, yeah. I look forward to that making its way to North London. That is <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, sign me up. I'm I'm, I'm there. I want to go to the gunpowder discus bar. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about it is dangerous. It's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the beer, the beers you were drinking really were just like tequila or something, really, weren't they? <laughs> I've no idea. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Well, Richard, thanks so much for joining us, mate. It was a real pleasure hearing more about yourself, Monzo. I mean, this new game that we're definitely bringing to uh, <laughs> the people of North London from uh, from Columbia anytime soon. So that will definitely be our, our next business venture as soon as. And yeah, th- thanks again. And uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, sharing this one with everyone. Cool. Thanks so much for having me on. And yeah, it's uh, follow us <laughs> on at Monzo, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Am, I, am I allowed to do that? You may. Of course you are. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, send you, we'll send you an invoice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, uh, at Monzo. Uh, although Monzo Bank in some places because Monzo is, I think, also the name of like a VR modeling company. So uh, hmm. they, they, they've got it in a few spots. But yeah, thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks, Richard. Mm-hmm.